0: Welcome to the Sports Biz Pod, where we release two episodes per week. On Tuesday, featuring an interview with an athlete, entrepreneur, or thought leader in sports and entertainment. And on Friday, featuring the Sports Biz Rundown to recap the week of Sports Biz news, events, careers, and more. I'm your host, Nick Hayden, founder of Sports Biz Group. And this week, we're excited to break down the interview we had with Jeff Wilson, who's a sports strategist based out of Belfast, United Kingdom. And he's had consulting projects with the FIFA, FIFA Barcelona Innovation Hub and various other organizations primarily focused on soccer or football. So please enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, please connect with us on all social channels at SportsBiz Group. Give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Enjoy the show. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of the Sports Biz Podcast. I'm extremely excited to welcome a guest um, that's headquartered in Belfast, United Kingdom, and from Northern Ireland. And we have Jels Wilson, who is a sports strategist, does some really great work with various consulting projects, and I'm really excited to have you on. Thanks for for coming on, Jeff. Really pleased to...
1: uh... To come on to the podcast, and uh, really excited to 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 have a good conversation over the over the next uh, hour or so, and looking forward to going touching on so many different topics.
0: I Appreciate that, and to, to kick things off, you know, we're in a new decade. This is we're recording this now in January, but we have a really exciting decade ahead of us within sports. Very different, you know, aspects that are going on. You have the World Cup coming up, all these great things, but From your standpoint, could you just give us a little bit of overview about, you know, how you got started and what you're currently working on, and we'll just see how that goes.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Uh, So so I entered the the sports market in 2005 when I joined the Irish Football Association. Uh, That's the, the Soccer Federation for Northern Ireland in Belfast, which is a member of UEFA and a member of FIFA. And I joined there as the uh, marketing director and communications director. Uh, The role was basically twofold, to increase the brand and to get the brand awareness uh, right, to engage all communities in Northern Ireland, and then also to grow revenue. And we had a a very interesting story over the last, let's say, 20 years. There's obviously been uh, political issues in Northern Ireland. And uh, we have been really combating against a, 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 an issue where some people maybe didn't support Northern Ireland as a, an international team. Rather, they supported Republic of Ireland. And that was due to political issues. So whenever uh, we started to, to look at this whole program, myself and our other colleagues, we started to create what we called our Football for All program, a Football for All campaign. Uh, which was uh, driven very much by a number of uh, of the, the staff at the Federation. And that was all about positioning the brand that football is for everyone in Northern Ireland. And uh, what we did is work with the fans. We had a sea of green. Uh, obviously, green is famous for, for for Northern Ireland and for Ireland. Uh, and what we wanted is that rather than people were wearing red, white and blue, we wanted them to, to, to wear green and to have a wall of green. And that started to come through with the fans. Uh, we then uh, created with the fans a number of uh, songs, songs that could be sung on the terracing, and that got rid of any sectarian songs. And it really then started to create a family atmosphere at Northern Ireland games. So from having maybe 3,000 fans at a game, we're now sold out. From having 4,000 shirts, we, we went to 40,000 shirts. Uh, from having a small turnover, we doubled the turnover inside five years. And that really all accumulated in winning a, a, a marketing award in throughout all of the UK, and it was actually even outside of sport in the SME category for the work that we did in really re, reinvigorating the brand of the Irish Football Association and making a brand for everybody in our community.
0: Amazing and so that was something that you you know early started on and I guess moving forward like what what uh what kind of interesting projects are you working on for the next year or next few years that you kind of uh, have built off of that?
1: So I I, I, I left the Irish Football Association in uh, January 2014 mm-hmm. and set up my own sports consultancy so just to give you a little bit of background so I currently work with FIFA uh, I work with UEFA. Uh, I work with the Asian Football Confederation. I work for, uh, do some work with Barcelona Football Club. Uh, I work with FIBA in the World Basketball and um, for the Basketball uh, Champions League, which is a, a, a club program within uh, Europe and also now within Latin America under FIBA. So those are the, the organizations that I would work with. And there's some very interesting projects going on Uh, across all of these areas. Within the likes of FIFA, we're doing lots of uh, strategic planning with a number of different federations. Within FIFA, we have created a strategic uh, planning module and a governance module. Those programs are really to create vision, mission, goals, objectives, action plans, monitoring for a range of different federations, uh, basketball federations throughout the world. Uh, Very interesting capacity building program Uh, On the Basketball Champions League, we're looking at how we can grow attendance uh, and how we can uh, increase fan engagement uh, at the games. And for the likes of uh, AFC, we're working uh, with Australia on digital, with India on digital, and with uh, Sri Lanka on some commercial activity. So the work that we do is is very wide and very varied. But when you see some of the projects starting to come to life, even from a simplistic point of view within India, they just launched their new website. And now they're starting on a digital road to transform the way that they do their business. Uh, You can see the legacy that's being left behind. And that, to me, I think is, is, is pretty special.
0: That's amazing. So it seems like you're, you're handling a lot of stuff in multiple continents and then multiple sports. Um, how do you keep that organized or how do they cross-collaborate or, or what's kind of the structure behind that?
1: Great, great question. Uh, in sport in general, you will have, let's say, the common topics of um, governance, strategy, competitions, technical, marketing and communications, So those are maybe some of the broad areas. There are a few others. Uh, So these areas can be moved from one sport to the other. There'll be slight nuances, but they will be the same. Let me give you an example. Within the marketing side, you will have commercial and sponsorship. So having and developing a commercial and sponsorship program will be relatively the same right across in terms of the process that you follow. Uh, Yes, there'll be different nuances, but that means that you can then learn from one sport maybe move it to another sport uh but take with you the same processes and really start to uh dig deep into in the areas of their um that makes them that makes that sport really different and unique so from my point of view uh what we end up doing is you can take these key pillars you can start to put those pillars into different sports but more importantly, sport is in essence around on the field or on the court and off the field and off the court and if you 've got a great strong handle in those two areas, then as long as you know then you can start to create and progress that federation and allow it to grow and allow people to play the sport more and that again, as I've said before, creates a real legacy within a country or within a region or a city.
0: Amazing. So um, with the, the, you know, the past uh, decade wrapping up and starting a new one, you know, since you've seen a lot last decade, what's your kind of strategy or approach um, going into this decade decade or any kind of bold predictions that you think um, teams will have to adjust or leagues or different countries? What's kind of the strategy moving forward now?
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more within data. Uh, I think more data will be gathered, and that data will be used not only from an analytical point of view, from a performance point of view, but from a business point of view. So a lot more data will be involved uh, within the sporting environment. I think then on the back of that data, there'll be a lot more personalization. So when you get a communication, that will be solely personalized directly to you, not only by your name, but by all the other bits of data that's been collected in the past. So personalization, I think, will be even more so. I think on the court or on the pitch, there'll be a lot more analytics that will come uh, together and trying to, every aspect from sleep patterns to uh, what happens during training or during a game or a match, all of that data will start to, how can you use artificial intelligence to make more intellectual decisions? But for me, I think uh, long term, I think we will all have a chip in our hand or we'll have a chip in our head. And that chip in your hand or your head, that will be your passport to travel to an away game. That will be your ticket to get into a game. That will be uh, when you score a goal, that chip will be able to say, oh, here's your blood pressure. And that will be sent to your mobile phone what your blood pressure is once a goal is scored or touchdown is made. That will be able to then say when you go past a certain technology that it will send the communication directly to you because it knows, for example, that I eat hamburgers
2: with
1: with no cheese. So it will send me a hamburger with no cheese, special offer just for Jeff, and you can get it 10 steps away. And that will then go further into merchandising uh, and, as I say, your health. So to me, I do believe it will happen that we will have a chip and I've wrote a blog around it that uh, this chip will happen. And people say to me, how do you be so confident in it? Well, there's chips currently in dogs, Mm -hmm. in animals. And when you scan the chip under the skin, that tells everything about who the dog is, and the owner. Uh, And normally what happens, when it happens in animals, it goes to the humans next. So So to me, I do believe that will be the future that will come up at some stage, whether it's this decade or not. Let's see.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And um, kind of follow up question on that, where, you know, that's an interesting point of view, I think, um, that's definitely down the line, you know, that will be very monumental to to incorporate that implementing, you know, chips into our body and a lot of regulation will need to happen. But for for, um, society to kind of get to that level, what do you think are some other ways that you know, big data, it seems like it's gonna be the movement for 2020 onwards, but um, what are some of the ways, I guess, from what we're looking at now, how do you collect data differently and more uniquely and more like authentically, Um, you know, what have you seen, I guess, um, working really well or some different strategies to better collect data? Because like the chip, that's gonna be probably the ultimate data source, but you know, that's gonna take some time, but anything that, you know, any ways to collect data that you
2: think is, you know, interesting right now?
1: Yeah, there's a number of, uh, just as a a very simple example, uh, there's a number of um, Israeli companies, tech tech companies, who are using camera technology through artificial intelligence. And that is putting data, uh, live data, as during a basketball game, whether that is who the person is, the number of dunks that they've got, the speed that they're running, and that's being... Um, animated as the play is happening uh, so to me that technology and technology is now starting to come into play already in terms of video so I think that will start to really progress even more so what we just need to be careful about is that all the data doesn't take away from the event yeah. and just, but what we're finding is that let's say the younger people that are coming up want that data and there's a hunger for that data so it's how we present it and it's that it's not intruding to the actual uh product that you're that you're watching and whether that is live at the event with your phone on a piece of ar or vr or whether that's away from the event uh, that you're watching on an ott platform but uh, I, I think technology will play such an important part and that's whether that's ar vr Artificial intelligence, OTT, esports, in America, gambling will get bigger. But I think we've got to also be mindful what is good for us. Mm -hmm. And as we open up the gambling market, as an example, there'll be lots of more data that will start to come from gambling, and let alone from the people from the athlete themselves let alone from the organization so all this data will go into this data lake but there is a bit that needs to we do need to protect our sport the sport that we love is all about the live event Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and how do we make sure that live event is pure honest and true Mm -hmm. and what we don't want to do i don't think is create an environment where everybody is addicted to gambling What we don't want to do is do an event that, uh, when we go to the uh, to the stadium, that the food is substandard. So it's always making sure we have got um, principles, but we're always lifting the bar in terms of fan experience, better uh, and
2: better. Amazing. Better. So. Um, Have you have any case studies, I guess,
0: of teams that are kind of checking both those boxes um, or different leagues or any types of case studies where it's they've done great example of collecting data using that data, but also that premier um, sports experience that has, you know, has that authenticity has that historic uh, feel to it, but it's also modern. Is there any kind of specific examples, whether it's a team or um, a league or you know, a governing body that you've worked with that you think is um, a good example of that?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, I think uh, La Liga are doing very well in this area. Uh, they have started to look at a number of technology uh, and new technology developments. And again, that's everything from OTT to AR to VR Uh, They're also looking at how they can improve the overall uh, brand of La Liga. And I do see them uh, doing a lot in this area of technology, of data, uh, and in developing the actual league, the actual sport. I think, obviously, the likes of NBA, uh, you can't maybe go too far from the likes of an NBA. I think uh, the likes of NASCAR are, are, are trying in that field as well. So there are a number of areas, and specifically within like a sports environment i think what will be very interesting will be the Tokyo Olympics Mm -hmm. and i think uh, every every time the Olympics happen there is a sea change in technology and in data and it is a sea change so with the developments and the culture in Tokyo to me i think we'll see yet again another sea change in terms of how we view the content and it'll be done when we want it, how we want it, where we want it, and it'll be tailored specifically to us. And technology will be used to make it happen quicker, faster, and better. So to me, I think that will be a very interesting uh, moment that will really sort of catapult other sports to follow.
0: Nice. and And do you think uh, what for Tokyo specifically, have you seen any types of like initiatives or companies? or a specific sport that you think will really um, kind of break through with that like tech or data movement that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, well, I think what will be interesting is the actual uh, Olympics themselves. I mean, there's talk about, you know, robots, there's talk about facial recognition for for, for different types of of technology. So I think they themselves will be very interesting to follow in terms of the, you know, the IOC themselves. I think what you'll find, it will be those, you know, the bigger events, the 100 metres are big and that's great. But sometimes it's a little smaller events that you really want to, you know, focus on. Archery, people like that, that, that will be really different. But that is real skill level in terms of hitting a small, small target. I think how the Olympics will really make the technology work in those no sports, I think, will be very interesting. And as we know, esports... Yeah. Is going to be extremely big, and uh, there's a lot of discussion between the fighting side of esports and the let's say the game side of esports, i.e., FIFA or NBA Two K. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I think esports will be another area in terms of how IOC not only for Tokyo but further, what do they do with the word, or what what do they do? In the world of esports, yeah, how do they commercialize it, um, and how do they make it come under the banner if they do?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's
0: that's an interesting point as well. With uh, especially esports, where in my opinion, I think esports will be a sport in the Olympics. Um, I've kind of posted on LinkedIn, put it on different you know blogs. I've got a lot of feedback on both sides, where some people don't believe esports um, is an actual sport and don't believe that people participating are actual athletes. Um, so there's a lot of controversy on both sides. My opinion, I think that it's different sport. You know, and you're not going to be physically putting out as much energy as, like, a football, soccer, tennis, but you're still um, doing it competitively against another opponent, and people are viewing it for entertainment, and there's a lot of hand-eye coordination that's involved. But what are your thoughts on that, on do you think esports will be an Olympic sport, Or um, how will they sanction that or any of the processes just from your expertise?
1: Well, what I love about the IOC is they have values. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And those values guide them as an organization. So uh, you never see, we've talked about before, gambling organizations. Uh, you, You don't see a gambling organization front and center with IOC. So to me, I think the values of the IOC will dictate what they want to do if they do anything with esports. And for me, there's something nice about that, having values and values that people can relate to yeah. and values that uh, people you know, can see. In other words, they're being true to themselves and I, I think that's an interesting area in itself within sports. And I know we're talking about technology, but how do you keep a sport that's true to its brand? If you're NASCAR, you're true to your brand. Yeah. You know, how do you keep true to your brand while growing the sport? Um, uh, so, for example, in, in the UK, darts. Yeah. So darts is very much a, a pub, a, a, a bar, a pub sport. Yeah, and they have now sexed it up, yep. and they've kept true to their values, but they've just, you know, they've just brought in more entertainment, and now all of a sudden the amount of different people that are watching and engaging in darts has become an experience, and I think that's what we need to do as sporting organisations. How do we maintain the experience and make sure that experience is fantastic, better than Disney?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, um. Yeah, so so back to that with uh, with esports. Like, you think that what? What do you think the challenge is? It's like, what's the actual sport there? You know, esports, but what game are they participating in? Or um, do you think like do you think? In my opinion, the the um, the principles are you know it's you know especially for people to participate in esports low barrier to entry anyone can participate. Say you're amputated or have a you know any type of injury. If you have that hand-eye coordination, that's great. But um, do you think those align with the IOC and then also just the eSports
2: community?
1: Yeah, I think it's more the fighting games. Yeah, you know, does fighting align with the Olympics values? The answer is probably no. Mm-hmm. So if it does not align with the values, uh, then that's the decision, and that's why I started off the conversation about what will drive this is the Olympic values. Now yeah. what the Olympics could do is uh the football, FIFA twenty twenty, or maybe it's NBA two K. So let's say that the game part of esports, to me that probably is an easier um start off for the IOC than it would be the fighting games, even though the fighting games is where the the big eyeballs are at.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting perspective. Um, yeah, so uh, kind of uh, beyond you know the Olympics or DC, like the FIFA World Cup, any kind of other interesting predictions. You know, I think the Olympics there's a lot to unbox there. But any other major sporting events happening in the next decade that you think um, will kind of be you know shifted? Not that it could be esports, e- could be data, could be the actual new sports being implemented, but any kind of anything else that you you really caught your interest or some something that could be interesting to look out for
1: yeah um I mean this in two thousand and nineteen Northern Ireland hosted the british Open yeah and uh, in in golf and I think golf is starting to use a lot in technology as well as you know there's there's so much interest in golf, so I think golf is going to be interesting i think. Uh, Motorsport is going to be an area of interest. I think, uh, let's say, uh, MMA, those sort of um, uh, almost underground sports that have now become mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I I think those sorts of uh, high adrenaline sports, I think, will be ones to, to, to look out for. So you will always have basketball. You'll always have football. Uh, those sorts of big areas, but to me, I do think there will be the area of I think golf will be an interesting. I think motorsport will be interesting, I, and that includes likes of Formula E, etc., etc. Uh, I do think that the, the the area of esports will will be an interesting, more events and bigger events, and in different platforms and and, and different games. Uh, uh, and I think those sort of uh, let's call them underground sports. That's not very fair, uh, but um, I do think that they're now not underground sports. They're now mainstream. Yeah, and they're good sports. So things like of MMA, I think, will really be another interesting area for to, to watch out for. Those are, are, are very interesting sporting events that are capturing people's imagination, and when they can tell the story, they st- they tell the story well, and they tell it often. And they have a good product that goes around it. That's a winning combination.
0: Amazing. So, um, for to kind of focus on golf, I would love to get your your thoughts on that or anything particular that's exciting. Um, In my background, I've worked the PGA Championship, I've worked the Masters, have attended various other events, and I I, I agree with that. I think golf is um, really going to be interesting to see from like a data perspective and also fan engagement. But, um. Could you kind of touch on, I guess, any any specific examples of things you've worked on or predictions that you think for you know golf will take um, the next few years?
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to me, I I think uh, golf will have to get into the esports some way.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I do think they'll have to do that. I think um, they will have to look at the, the virtual reality, and I think they'll have to look at using augmented reality at the venue when the venues are on mm-hmm. and making that that content a lot more engaging, but using yeah. the data that comes from uh, video uh, and using that data uh, to, to go directly to the phones of those who are there live at the, ven- at the venue. Uh, and that is everything from uh, how far the, the, the shot goes right the way through to um, the pace of the ball, how hard the ball was hit. Every aspect will be looked at. I think what will be interesting is how then people commercialize that data, and that's where the key bit will be. It's okay having the data, and the, the younger people uh, are wanting that data, but if you're in the sport, you've got to say, how do I commercialize that data? Yeah. So you've got to provide the data, but you've also got to look at, and, and that necessarily means you don't have to commercialize everything but you've got to look at some way of commercializing it, whether that's in-game purchasing, which is yeah. obviously getting bigger, uh, whether that's the use of influencers and donations and advertising that comes from that. Uh, but to me, I do think with the, the, the gulf, it will be around about providing more data, live data around the game, live at the venues, um, will definitely be something that they'll have to, to look at greater yeah I mean, it's how do they engage outside of those outside of the venues through vr and the use of augmented reality i think it's going to be a, a, yeah. a very interesting one for them at the event
0: so you think like at a at a golf course right you, you have an app on your phone and then you can like scan it and like a vr simulation or maybe a virtual one of the players is like engaging with you like what type of activations, especially, do you think will, like, from a VR standpoint, is is that kind of
2: where you're headed?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's where it's got to be, and that is everything from behind the scenes content So whether it's a piece of VR behind the scenes, what's happening as the, you know, the players arrive and prepare and get ready, uh, through to a, you know, augmented reality where. On the on the back of the stand is telling a story. Uh, maybe it's providing a little piece of content that allows them to be to show the map of where they need to get to. Uh, you know, on the course, uh, maybe it is something about what that that particular hole is all about. You know, who's got the um, whatever data is is around that hole. Um, so I do think that will help. I do think as well. You know, in in addition to the likes of those content. That when you buy a piece of merchandising in the stall uh, that's there, or a piece of food, it's all done through the mobile, or in the future your chip uh, in your in your arm or in your yeah. head, uh, and all of that data then is being used uh, to make sure that that event is 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 always improving. So, if if the hospitality is really strong uh, by tables and not buffet in America, so the data will know, let's go for tables and a sit-down and not a buffet. But if they know that in Northern Ireland it's more buffet-style, then the data will be able to allow them to identify, let's go buffet rather than sit-down, because that's the market that's there. But also, if they've purchased a piece of uh, golf equipment and they've actually then went to DHL after the shop and they posted it, that it can then track and, and know whenever that that, that that piece of uh. Uh, uh merchandising will, will will be at the the, the um uh, will be at their home but they'll be able and that's not maybe so much you but when uh when the, the the person who wins each of the cups they will be able to actually get their merchandising automatically that's where i think the personalization so it's all about if you're the winner of the tournament then all the <coughs> other bits from the data like in terms of all of the merchandising, their name will be front and center so you can order the winner's name straight away on whatever piece of merchandise that you want.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it, before before our call, we were kind of talking a little bit about so there's like a project that you worked on with different theories um, in sports. Can you kind of highlight that and we can wrap it up with like a few more questions, but we'd love to hear about that, that work. Yes.
1: So um, so I probably visited around about 86 to 87 countries throughout the world doing sports business and sports marketing. Uh, and uh, there's far, far better people than me uh, do what I do. But w- when you build up that knowledge and experience, you start to see some common trends. So I co-created uh, two models. The first model was about fan engagement. And what that really looked at is a quadrant so four boxes, and on the four boxes was game day, non-game day. At the uh, So at the stadium, not at the stadium. So within these four quadrants is what, where do you uh, look at your fan engagement? So let me just touch on it very quickly. If you look at game day at the stadium, that's what most people will do. Fan zones and different things like that, so that's great. So, how do you make that better? But what about on game day but not at the stadium? So, for example, OTT or content and social media, how do you make that better? But then you look at what about at the venue, so in other words, at the stadium but not on game day? So, museum tours, stadium tours, how do you make that better and more? And then you've got the one that most people will forget about not at the stadium and not on game day. So how do you engage and deeply engage within the community that really makes your brand come alive uh, that people can really have a close association with your sports brand? So uh, we created this model that really looks at these four quadrants when it comes to fan engagement. And a good sports organization should be doing programs in each of these four quadrants to really engage their fans. That was model one. Model 2 was all about growing attendance. And that was really all around looking at uh, common areas of people uh, that, that, through my research, uh, the people were either doing right. Uh, and that was looking at, or maybe after time, started to do. So that was having a clear vision, a mission, uh, goals, but also having a clear culture and a heritage. Then having the right leadership, i.e. your CEO wanting to drive attendance. And then that went on to things such as doing your research, having the right staff in place, which includes the right stewarding. Then looking at having the right marketing program in place, so retention and acquisition. Then that went into branding, and it went into having a tribalism. How do you build a tribe within your fan base? Uh, and all of that, how do you create a brand? You know, within your, your, your fan base. And then the final bits is all in the areas um, of how do you increase the experience on, on match day? How do you increase experience on non-match day? And how do you create deep community-based programs? And the idea is if you do all these things, you will help to grow attendance. Mm-hmm. So we produce these two models: one in fan engagement, one in growing attendance to help the industry. They're on my my blog, um, as free tools for people to consider, to debate, and then potentially to use for their benefit. And that's all that we did it for was based on our knowledge and experience to help the sports industry.
0: Wow, that's uh, some very uh, interesting like frameworks to put that. So, what's the? I'll, I'll tag it in there. But what's your? How can you find that framework or the, those
1: templates? Yeah, so uh, my uh, the, the the blog that I that I'm on, um, and I'm just going to get it here now. So if you go to, you can either go to my uh, LinkedIn account, which is uh, LinkedIn.com/slash JFWMJWilson, and that will be on my uh, LinkedIn account, or you can go to JFWMJWilson.wordpress.com. That's jfwnjwilson.wordpress.com, and on that uh, there will be a whole range of uh, articles, including the chip article, as well as uh, a few other bits and pieces.
0: Amazing, cool. So we'll, we'll link in your your blog and your uh, LinkedIn to uh, to the podcast here. But uh, I guess uh, you know, I appreciate all that insight and um, in everything you kind of broken down there. Kind of final question would be. Um, kind of two-part two question is what's your kind of advice for someone to stand out in, in the sports industry from um, like a young professional trying to like make their way through um, or it doesn't have to be young professional or someone trying to grow up the ranks and then also you're kind of the same question but for you know from the team how do you get you know what's your advice for them to stand out or league um, from that that standpoint so like individual level kind of any parting wisdom and also from like a team level or the the people that you consult with?
1: Yeah. um, I think especially for those starting out in the industry, uh, I would mentor quite a lot of people. So I do feel for them. Uh, First of all, I would say this is an amazing industry. So no matter what, have a relentless focus on getting into it. It can be difficult, but don't give up. Mm -hmm. And what I would suggest is network, network, network. Get to know people, connect with them on LinkedIn, uh, and go and, and have a, a Skype call with them, a Zoom call, uh, but have it regularly. Don't just talk to, try and build up a relationship with people, key people that you want to try and focus in on. Number two, read blogs. There's all the work that you guys are doing on sports biz. Follow you guys, follow people who are publishing content and articles, read. Every single day, you should be reading sports pro media, sports tacky, your your organization, all of them. Read what's going on within your industry and and really widen out your knowledge. And then I think uh, if you're starting out, start to maybe look at volunteering. Mm -hmm. Go and volunteer for some organizations and build up that experience. And try and find out what what really interests you. Uh, Is it fan engagement? Is it sponsorship? Uh, is the communications, I think to the the, the individual who wants to grow and and is already in a job, I would say to them, uh, go to conferences, meet people in conferences, learn from other people and widen out, not bring in, widen out your experience. Don't just focus on social media, widen out so you're broadening your experience. Second question, Uh, The team to stand out I'll be very very brief on this build your brand Build your brand know what your brand is build it and communicate it and communicate it well Second of all know the culture the culture of your organization and have a really strong high-performing culture And number three focus on the fans they are your guests so treat them as guests
0: That's amazing. Well, um, thank you for all that. And um, be sure uh, for all those listening, please uh, reach out, connect with Jeff on LinkedIn, check out his blog. He's a great resource destination, very well connected in the US and across Europe. So everyone listening, I highly encourage to go follow up and and reach out to Jeff uh, or or check out his content. But thank you so much. This was great insight. And I'm excited to uh, when this gets published. Thank you so much for tuning this episode of the Sports Biz Pod. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't already, connect with us on all social channels at Sports Biz Group. You can also visit our website, www.sportsbizgroup.com, for amazing resources, events, newsletters, and ways to get an edge in the sports industry. We look forward to continue to unveil new amazing episodes with special guests. Please reach out at any time for any recommendations, ideas, or ways to collaborate. Please go give us a five-star review and subscribe. Look forward to seeing you next show. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.